Hi, I'm Josh Smith, and welcome back to my podcast, Make It Rain. I'm a journalist and presenter, and I've been lucky enough to sit down and have unfiltered conversations with some truly incredible people. I know from my own experiences how powerful talking and crucially listening to others is, something you have heard about in this very podcast. And without a doubt, my life has been changed by the people I've met. I'm so excited that you are back to join me each week to meet amazing queens who've overcome challenges in their own lives. They're open up about their journey they've been on to harness their power and wear their crowns with pride. I really hope you'll feel empowered to own your own story and make it rain in your own lives too. Well, hey, queens, as a cheeky surprise, I'm dropping a bonus episode. Don't say I don't spoil you around here. So in this episode of Make It Rain, I'm joined by the star of the Fear Street trilogy, which I am obsessed with, it's Kiana Madeira. You may have seen Kiana before in a Netflix hit, Trinkets, which follows a group of high schoolers who are collector maniacs. But now she's creeping us out as Dina, a teenager living in the fictional town of Shadyside for the Netflix hit Fear Street, which is based on the books by R. Al Stein. The three movies follow a group of high schoolers across three very different periods in 1994, then 1978, and finally in 1666, whilst they're attempting to not only solve a murder mystery, but an ancient curse too. Now that is one long to-do list for one gal. One of the epic things about the three movies are that they centre around Dina's relationship with Samantha, and it's about time a trilogy of films celebrate a same-sex relationship. So in this episode, we discuss exactly that, the power of representation, and how acting affected Kiana's body image and also how she's learned to take pride in her identity. I love talking to Kiana so much as she has so many amazing words about learning to love yourself and others. So I hope you listen to this episode and give yourselves a little extra love today. So crowns at the ready. Well, hello. Hello. <laughs> How are we? I'm doing very, very well. How are you? Well, I mean, I've got chills and they're multiplying after I've. <laughs> I love and it. And I'm losing control, literally. <laughs> I love that grease Serving up John Travolta quotes All to day. describe Fear Street. <laughs> yes, that is literally amazing. <laughs> but honestly, Fear Street, I can't, I don't know where to begin. It's got everything it's got twists it's got turns it's got romance it's got relationships it's got brutal murders it has yeah. a little like spicing of comedy what it doesn't have i don't even know it's so good like honestly i thought i was gonna poop myself half like basically for 90 percent of it like i was jumping out of my skin like honestly like babe what <laughs> what on earth went on is what i need to know yeah yeah, I know. Seriously. But same for when I watched it. I was like, I mean, we did it and and we did it. We filmed all three back to back to back. So I feel mm. like when you're when you're in it, you're just kind of like, okay, this day's done, cross that off, this day's done, cross that off. And then to see the films now, like almost two years later, yeah, two years later, I was like, same as you. What happened? <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> it was it was but 
yeah, the films exceeded my expectations, honestly. I'm very, very excited. Oh, oh well, you are exceptional in it. You are so great. And I the twists and turns, like I was saying, are so epic. But there are a lot of plot spoilers. But the plot spoiler at the end of um, film two, where it turns out Dina is actually... Yep. Seraphir. I was like, oh my god. Like, what was the plot twist when you watched it back? You were like, whoa. Yeah, like that that little that little clip at the end of movie two leading into movie three. Uh wow, I'm so excited for movie three. Like for 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 you and everyone to see like kind of how everything intertwines and wraps up. I'm very excited for that. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I mean, if you thought that there were twists and turns, it's, it gets crazy. <laughs> I love it. You're such a tease. <laughs> <laughs> because it is, it is so intense, the film, in so many ways as well. It must have been, especially being the lead in this as well, it must have been a, a huge emotional and mental undertaking as well. How did you look after your own mental well-being why you were filming this? It's a great question. It definitely was um, challenging and exhausting in, in all of those ways, mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, I think it's such a blessing that that I'm kind of like a positive person, I think naturally. Mm. So I also, you know, I, I, I have my faith. Um, I'm a Christian, so like reading my Bible and like praying and meditating helps me so much to stay grounded and and what's real to me. So I think that, you know, taking on a project that's pretty dark, really, I have like all these things in my life that help balance it out. Otherwise, I could imagine like, even for me being like quite a balanced person, I would say there were days where I would get back to my hotel room and just kind of be like, wow, I feel just, I feel tired. (laughs) And it was it was challenging. I, I I kind of am the type of person also that I'm like I can do anything. I'm I'm untouchable. Mm. But at the same time, like as an actor, you kind of have to use everything of yourself to you know put yourself in these circumstances. And there were times where it was still quite exhausting and challenging. Mm. It must be so amazing. I I mean we spoke about faith before on this podcast with Naomi Scott, and she talked about her own experience of faith and how she's leaned onto it and the challenges it's also given her as well. Being a young person in our society and being able to say you are religious, what kind of reaction do you tend to get when you open up about that? Because it's such an interesting relationship to have, isn't it? It is, it is. Um, It's something, it's an area that I'm growing into because I didn't used to talk about it a lot because Mm. I was scared that people would automatically kind of like shut down and not want to continue the conversation. I didn't, and I didn't want to make people feel uncomfortable. But then as I'm growing and I realize that oftentimes when I share that I'm religious, people are interested. And also mm. people kind of ask me sometimes like, how are you so positive? Or how are you not worried about so many things? And I would be lying if I didn't say it was, it wasn't because of my faith. So um, the reaction is, has been positive. You know, I think also religion has like, there's, there's some stereotypes that people think of when they think of mm. religion, which I totally don't agree with. I feel like everyone's individual relationship with God is like, I, like that individual and, and specific. So 
I don't really agree with, you know, some of the rules and judgmental aspects of religion, which is why I feel more comfortable speaking about it to people. Because I would love to, you know, be the person to tell people, like, God loves you. <laughs> you don't, you know, no matter what. Like, you don't, have to, you don't have to think that because you do certain things or, you know, because you make mistakes. Like, we're human and God made us human. So I would love to be that, you know, one of the people that open that up to people. I think that's such an incredible thing to say and I think about you know not judging people for their life decisions is such an important thing isn't it full stop in our society and you know in Fear Street one of the central things with your character Dina is her relationship with Samantha or Sam which is so special and it's it made me really emotional, minus the insuency fact that she's also possessed, or you both are possessed. Yes. <laughs> like, it's just so cute, like the mixtape moments, and like, and I just so needed that level of representation when I was younger, and it's so important that you're able to bring that to the screen, and also do it in a way that isn't overly sexualized mm. either. And I think that's what's so special about these two characters. Like, what did you learn from exploring this same-sex relationship and what did it teach you about the lgbtq plus community its difficulties and the joy and the allyship as well i'm so first of all i'm so grateful that i i was cast to play dina um it was it was such an amazing journey working with olivia scott welch who plays sam um our main thing was just you know really just allowing ourselves to love each other um, mm. first and allow that to kind of carry the story. So I I learned that like the things that, that the queer community faces and have faced, they're honestly heartbreaking. Um, like, you know, when it, it kind of shows how history repeats itself. That's what our films show, how history repeats itself. And to an extent, you know, we're still seeing that today. So as an actor to shine a light on those things on screen and like you said, the young people and, and just people across the board of all ages to see themselves represented on screen, that is like such a joy of mine to, to be a person who can do that for people. Um, really, Dina and Sam's relationship is the core and the heartbeat of the whole trilogy and I've never seen, especially a genre film, like a horror film, center around a queer love story. You know, mm. you, normally characters like, like them and, and characters like everyone who's in Shadyside would be killed off in the first, in the first act of a script. And I think that's so wrong. So I, I'm, I'm so excited that these films are groundbreaking in that way. And I really, really hope that this is just the beginning of, of a new direction for this genre. Because I guess as well, there's so much that's made around casting and like, you know, putting, um, reps, having actors from that community. But with you coming to play a queer character, how did you address that aspect of it and make sure it was like a very authentic portrayal? I think the the thing that I didn't really focus so much on that. I just... I know what it feels like to love someone and love mm. them so much that I want to protect them, you know, and, and save them from anything that's going to harm them. So that's really the place that I came from. And, and then 
I really did realize that, like, not realize, but I ex- got to experience that, like, you know, love is love. That, like, you when you love someone, you love someone. And that is just something that's human and it's at our core. So that's really the place that I wanted to come from. I absolutely love that. <laughs> and that what I love about the relationship as well is it's never really labeled. There's never any point where they're like, this is a queer relationship. It's just seen as a relationship and I think it's so great that we aren't just labeling things in the way that we always used to. Do you think in our society it's important to still have labels or how has the aspect of labeling played out in your own life as well? That's such an interesting question honestly. I I I feel I've actually thought about this before and I think that it's up to the individual on how they want to identify and if they want to label themselves. I don't think that it's anyone else's job to place labels on other people. So I I respect labels if they're coming from the individual and if that's how Mm -hmm. they want to present themselves. I disagree when everyone else is trying to figure people out and trying to label them and put them in boxes. I think if someone tells you, like, you know, if they have labeled themselves in a way or, you know, in any way, I think it's our responsibility to respect that. But I don't think that it should go farther than that in terms of us placing labels on other people. In your own life, what kind of labels do you think have been placed on you unnecessarily or that labels you didn't want placed on you or, like, labels that you've heard you be called and you're like I'm not like that at all so I don't see why you're trying to put me into this box for me a huge thing has been my ethnicity I'm mixed Mm. race so my dad is Portuguese and my mom is mixed she's half Irish and then the other half she's black and um, native Canadian so um so I identify as mixed race you know but I never really had to think about it until you know, getting into the industry and um, like, for example, I growing up, I always had braids. My mom always braided my hair, but I, I had braids recently and I experienced some comments on social media that were saying like, oh, white girls always think they can have braids, just things like that. And I was like, oh, wow, these labels of I'm white or I'm this or I'm that I feel like are being placed on me. Not not to an overwhelming extent, but even like a couple of comments are enough sometimes to like stick with you and kind of make you question your own identity. So mm. that's something I think that that's those labels have been placed on me sometimes and I, it doesn't feel good. No. And I think what Fear Street speaks of and which you mentioned earlier as well is this idea of othering people like they're like oh she's a witch or she's this or she's that like and it addresses how we've othered people through so many different times you know this covers three different very different periods these three films like and that experience of othering is still happening in our society isn't it that's the real horror of it really yep in a way yeah that's it's so true honestly you said it perfectly like history repeating itself and we, we see three, like this is spans over 300 years. And in those 300 years, they're still dealing with that same thing, othering people and mm. condemning them. And, you know, it's, and it's still now it's 2021 and we're still experiencing it. So I, I'm, I'm just so happy that 
content is being created that really shines a light on that. I hope that everyone sees these films and and you know whoever needs who needs that wake up call to be like wow maybe maybe it's them who's othering people you know may hopefully the art that we create can be a reflection of the world that we're living in and I really think these films do that. Yeah, they absolutely do and that is queenly behavior, queenly speech that you just said. <laughs> And this is what Make It Rain is all about, celebrating queens, people who are making it rain. And we always ask, like, you are a queen in your own right. Let's just let's just crown you right here, right now, babe. Oh, thank but you. Like, <laughs> yeah, but who's passed the crown on to you and inspired you the most, would you say? I would say my mom, for sure. My mom is a queen. <laughs> like, just, <laughs> she's so kind and inspiring she also looks so young and i feel like that's because she shines from the inside out like she's just so like goofy and funny and also holds herself in such a way that is is demands respect but not in a in a way that she's actually verbally demanding respect it's just in the way that she carries herself is so classy but also natural and she, she's just an enigma and yeah, my mom inspires me so much. We are all about that. We're all about shouting out for the mums yep. <laughs> that support us and get us through. Yes. And we're just going to take a little quick break and we will be back straight after this little lab break, babe. So yes. sit tight. Okay, <laughs> see you soon. Make It Rain is proud to be working with Aurelia London, the experts in probiotic skincare. This year, I've been learning about the wonders of using a resurfacing product in my skincare regime, so get ready for an education. Resurfacing your skin encourages cell turnover, which helps your skin in so many ways. I've been using Aurelia's new resurfacing serum. It's formulated with a natural retinol alternative, Bacuchiol. Combined with probiotics and niacinamide, this soothing wonder serum enhances radiance no matter what skin type or concerns you have, or even when skin is feeling a bit dull. And it's not affected by UV rays, so it can be used day or night. That's the dream, right? It's got a gorgeous, lightweight texture that gently resurfaces skin to reveal your brightest glow. It's the ultimate summer serum, babes! And because Aurelia London and Make It Rain are all about empowering people to glow inside and out, I've got a special code for you. Get 20% off the entire range by heading to aurelialondon.com and using the code JOSH20 at the checkout. And we are back. Wow, that was a break and a half, wasn't it? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> got ourselves a cup of tea and we're ready to pour more tea and like one of the things we were talking about in the last part was we were talking about um almost like finding and being your authentic you right and fear street speaks to that in so many ways what have been some turning points in you discovering you it's interesting learning about yourself in the industry um you know kind of growing up like on screen and I think for me I I, I struggled for a little bit with body image mm. and 
doing yoga actually helped me so much connect with my body. And I'm part of a community in Mississauga in Canada, where I'm from, called Power Yoga Mississauga. Power Yoga Canada Mississauga. And one of my instructors there, her name's Vicky, she just, I, I joined this program called 40 Days to Personal Revolution. And we would meditate twice a day, journal what we ate, and every week would be, we practice yoga six times a week, and every week would be like a new challenge. So it would be like step out of your comfort zone, say yes, um, just things like that. And through that, I, I left a five-year relationship. I learned so much about connecting to my body through practicing yoga six times a week. I feel like I really like put myself first and Mm. taking that time to put myself first showed me so much about myself, including my, you know, my relationship with my body, how I like our bodies do everything for us in a way. And I think we live in a society where we take that for granted and in a way we abuse it. We are always trying to, you know, reach the next body goal or if, you know, there's this also mentality of like, if I just lose 10 pounds, I'll be so much happier. Oh my God. Yes. You know, seriously, it's a real thing. Like mm. this outfit would look so much better if I was just like a little bit thinner or if, or if I gained a little bit of weight and could fill it out in this way. And there's so much pressure to look a certain way. And I think in the last couple of years, I really just adapted a mentality of like, I'm perfect the way that I am. And, and it's not easy. And I know that I, there, I don't feel like that every day, but I, I just, it's very, very true. You know, God made us how we are. And as long as we, we feel good, we're going to look exactly the way that we're meant to look. If we take care of ourselves mm. and do the things that bring us joy, we're going to be in, in the bodies that, that, we're supposed to be in and and however that looks it's it's perfect Mm, absolutely because what were some kind of conversations you used to have internally about your body image before you came to that realization i would i would just like judge body parts like my arms i would tell myself like you can't wear, you shouldn't wear tank tops, you know? And then being an actor, you you do wardrobe fittings and you don't really have so much of a say of what you're going to wear. So then that starts to like shine through your work because you can't even be on screen or on set feeling comfortable and and allowing Mm. your work to shine through your body. That's your instrument. So that like started to affect my auditions. And I realized like the harder I was on my body, the less I was booking roles. You know, I would... I would just, I would, I would tell myself that I wasn't worthy of like certain experiences or feel, you know, being in relationships and being happy unless I maintained like a certain frame, just things like that, that were very abusive and not productive at all. Mm. Like stopping that abusive relationship in your own mind. Like sometimes that's the most destructive relationship we have of all is with ourselves, isn't it? And it's such an amazing place to come to this point where you can say, oh, I do actually have a positive relationship with myself now, isn't it? Do you feel like you've got to that place? I do. I really do. Thank God. I I mean, there's still, I still feel it creep up sometimes. And I think that that's human. I think that everyone will always experience that, but it's really just acknowledging that and 
and focusing on on the truth. And the truth is you're beautiful and you're special and you're unique. You know, not everyone has to look the same. That's actually mm. not what makes us special. You know, probably the things that we hate most about our bodies are the things that are truly the most beautiful about our bodies and the things that make us unique. So I've learned a lot about like neural pathways and sometimes we've gone years thinking on a negative pathway and thinking these negative things about ourselves and those pathways can get quite um, deep, deeply Mm. engraved. So we just have to kind of like, and we do have the power to change those, those thoughts. And like uh, Alicia Keys is so inspiring to me. She posted something recently on her Instagram, this challenge to stand in the mirror and for minutes each day, I think you start at like a couple of minutes and you work your way up and just breathe and take yourself in, in exactly how you look. And I think that's, that's such a powerful and also terrifying, but really amazing way to connect with yourself. And I think through time, I, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try because I think that's amazing, but I can imagine that that's a great way to start, to start accepting yourself and believing that you really are amazing the way you are. Because mm, that speaks so much about how we keep trying to put ourselves into boxes, doesn't it? And sometimes the worst boxes of all are the ones we impose on ourselves, not even the boxes other people put on us, where we're like, oh, we can't do this, we can't be that, or we can't achieve that look, or we can't achieve that body. But like, these are self-imposed boxes in many ways, as well as societal boxes too. And I think that, you know, obviously Fear Street is set in high school for much of it. And like, that's a whole experience of trying to like, make yourself fit in into whatever space you feel like you need to fit into in order to, you know, get by. What is your own experience like, especially then of trying to fit in? And what have you done to maybe try and fit in that you're like, Oh my god! Why did I ever do that? Looking back now, <laughs> oh yeah, high school is it's a, it's a tough time it's for a, ride. a lot of people. It's a ride, ride. for sure. <laughs> when I think back, I probably the first thing that came to mind was I had I straightened my hair every single day. No one knew I had curly hair because I wanted to look like the rest of my friends who had naturally straight hair. So that was something like my hair suffered so much heat damage because I wanted to hide the fact that I had curly hair. And, you know, now I actually love my hair curly. It's, it's one of my favorite things about myself. But at the time, I remember in high school being like, if it, if it rained, I would be like run home because I didn't want anyone to know that my hair is curly. So that was, that's probably the main thing I can think of. That, that was that was rough. <laughs> what made you stop doing that? What was the process where you sort of weaned yourself off trying to do that? It was actually this, the second season of the show that I shot in Canada. It was a family channel show called Really Me. And the, the woman that they hired, her name was Peggy, to do my hair for the first time on set. She actually just kept it natural. And, I, and then I was like, oh, okay. I guess this is fine. And then I really actually love the way that it looked on camera. And I saw how keeping my hair curly um, kind of brought out the nicer curls. Because if you straighten your curly hair so many times, your hair, it, it gets really damaged. So it takes some time for it to come back. So over time, while filming the second season, I was like, wow, if everyone here 
thinks my hair is nice enough to, you know, be on screen and I actually really like the way it looks, then maybe I'll just lean into this. And mm. I, it, take, it took a lot of research too. Everyone with curly hair has a different texture. So I watch a lot of YouTube videos, just like experimenting with different products and stuff. But I think that's where it started for me. Mm. That must be so amazing to lean into that authentic you and, and almost fall in love with your natural be- beauty, right? Because for so many people, that is such a struggle, isn't it? Yes, it's such a struggle, especially, you know, with social media in the society that we live in. I feel like so every day on social media, we're bombarded with photos of people who are often they're often filtered or edited. And, you know, it's just very unrealistic. And so, you know, we we look at these photos of people and we think that that's how we're supposed to look. But often that's not even how they look. Mm. So I think for me, what really helps me, too, is um not spending so much time on social media as as strong as we we can be and as strong as we are it takes a toll you know constantly seeing other people and constantly comparing ourselves even if it's not conscious i feel like it's subconscious and so for me it helps sometimes to just log out and live in the real world because when you walk down the street, you'll be surprised at how many people you see that don't look like the people you see on social media. Because mm. I think that that's not real. Do you know what I mean? So it it feels really nice to kind of sign off and and look in the mirror and look at you, how you are unfiltered and, and uncensored and get used to that. I think yeah. it's important. And lean into the people in your actual life rather than the people who are just almost because there was almost like just staring at robots all day isn't it in some ways because yep. it's all just virtual and like I think what's so incredible about Fear Street as well is this message of friendship that comes through it because friendship ult- ultimately saves them at the end of the day and I I was thinking <laughs> quite like metaphorically about it and I was like oh my god friendship saved me so many times in my life especially when I've been at my lowest not when I'm being chased by zombies that hasn't happened to me <laughs> but like <laughs> I hope it never does but it's happening in my nightmares after watching Fear Street so there we go <laughs> but like <laughs> but when, when have you been saved by friendship the most in your own life would you say honestly like this last this last year through the through the pandemic i i realized that like talking to my friends even just on facetime calling them up um and opening up about my what i'm dealing with and my emotions i i think i'm like that friend that kind of like hides how i'm actually feeling mm. sometimes because i'm like the mother and i and yes. i want to just be there for everyone else so i'm the positive this last of the group year, <laughs> Yes, yes, exactly. Like, and and I've had friends call me out and be like, you can tell us if you're struggling with something like you, we know you're positive. But you know, if there's ever moments where you need someone to talk to, we're here. And this last year, I've, I've really leaned into that as well. And realized that it helps. Mm. (laughs) It really does help. Because as much as positive as you can be, like, there's always ups and downs, you know, and it really helps to turn to friends to talk about those things. Oh my God, absolutely. And we need it. Like open and honest conversation is like the best thing ever. Like there's no point carrying around this facade the whole time and then internally struggling yourself. Like that is not what we are about, especially in this queendom up in here. (laughs) 
Yes, exactly. Exactly. And, <laughs> exactly. I can't, and I can't believe it's already coming to the end of what I'm talking to you. And I've got so much more we need to discuss. But, <laughs> I know. So we're going to have to do a part two at some point. But at the yes. end of every episode, we always ask one final question. And that question always is, in the reign of your life, what is the one rule you will always live by? What's the one rule you will mm. always live by? Oh, what a great question. The one rule I will always live by is to love others. It sounds simple, but under the umbrella of love comes not judging, always forgiving, always holding space for other people. And yeah, always accepting people and not like we, but like we've talked about so much, you know, doing our best to not other people and not put them in boxes, just truly love other people, love everyone, just no matter what. Yeah, that's the one rule for me. That's that's definitely the one thing that I, I would love to live by. Within that, have you learned to love yourself too? Yes, and that's so funny how that works, right? I really have. I've learned to love myself as well. Um, I don't think that I, I, I can love other people if I don't love myself truly. I feel like it'd be, I, I would, be such a hypocrite and I wouldn't really know what, if I'm loving other people, if I didn't know what, what loving myself felt like. Another, another one, one last tip that really helps me love myself is imagining myself as a, as a child and also imagining other people as children. I love little kids. I think they're so cute. So imagining everyone that we meet as like babies and children, because we all were that at one point and just kind of trying to see the little kid in everyone I, th- I I love doing that. And that really helps me have empathy for everyone, no matter what. Oh my God, that's so true. I think that all the time, because I always say that, like, I'm always doing this for younger me. I'm always turning up for younger me. Do you feel like you turn up for younger you? Oh, definitely. 100%. <laughs> I do. That's amazing. What would younger you say to you if, if she could see you now? Oh, if younger me could see me now, she would say just keep going like you're killing it you're killing it girl (laughs) i think younger me would be proud of who i am now and like that that brings me so much joy oh my god well you're bringing me joy you've served us joy you've also served me nightmares but that's just on screen babes (laughs) yes same oh same (laughs) it's been so epic talking to you and younger you and me will both say to you right now keep slaying it literally slaying it because you're slaying it <laughs> Slay, <in this>. yes. <laughs> thank you so slay much on slayer. Thank you. <laughs> let's keep on slaying <laughs> thank you so much for listening queens i hope you enjoyed this conversation and take just as so much away from it as i have and if you haven't already make sure you subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcast from so you'll know which amazing queen is joining me next time And make sure you share this around your friends and get those conversations going because we need each other now more than ever before.